1: If you
4: dare. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower.
1: The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's RJ Bell.
4: Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, we start here on Straight Out of Vegas in the NFL, where for the first time since February, we've got an actual game to recap. It was the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, last night. It saw the Broncos beating the Falcons fourteen to ten. So the real question is, what did the game mean to Vegas?
2: Yes, winners, and then who covered? Fez, let's get one. I think misconception out of the way. And that misconception, and I get this all the time, wait a minute, you bet on preseason? How would you characterize, as an NFL expert, the opportunity to make money in the preseason?
6: I would say the best opportunities, RJ, are oftentimes in preseason betting versus regular season.
2: Now that's fascinating. So let's say that you had to get down 10,000 a game. Now, the only reason I'm saying that is I don't want something like the WNBA to be the answer. These niche markets, let's say it's a liquid market, right? So let's start there. If if you wanted to get off, um, a max bet, let's say you knew the score before the game was played as the old school touts used to say, how much could you get down
6: at a good number? Meaning I know if you would take a crappy number, how much could you get down? In Vegas, $1,000 per shop. So, RJ, if I drove around, bet at 10 places, $10,000. right. So the limits on side bets
2: in NFL preseason is only $1,000.
6: Yep. We just sent the hitman in to make a bet, and that was what he was limited to at one of the local larger books.
2: Okay. Now, here's the question. On the Sunday of NFL Week 1, so kickoff Sunday, or the first thursday how much could you get down per out let's say if you went up to the mgm how much could you get down gosh anywhere from
6: 20 to 50000
2: all right so now you're saying and i think even higher so meaning especially if they weren't lopsided on that side they they would take a couple hundred thousand wouldn't even bother them right they wouldn't even it out but let's call it 50 so you're saying NFL preseason week one compared to NFL regular season week one, regular season, you can get 50 times as much down per bet. Correct? Absol-
6: absolutely. Yes. Okay. There's a, and, no, the, go c- ahead. Well, the confidence of the sportsbook managers, they are very concerned that these numbers are not right in preseason. Contrast that to the regular season when all these numbers have been bet into with so much volume. It's such a liquid market. They're very confident that the numbers are accurate.
2: This is you just hit what I was going to say. Guys, this is one of those commandments. This is one of those principles. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. And here it is. The bookies tell you their confidence level by their limits. Now, 99% of you are not betting an amount that will reach the limit. So you might think, why do I care? Well, you care because the bookie is telling you their confidence level. And if you're betting 100 a game, and the limit's 1,000, or if the limit's 100,000, it doesn't affect your bet, but that doesn't change the bookies' confidence is being communicated. So when people tell me, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you bet on the preseason, well, the bookies wish we didn't. They wish the sharp guys didn't because you can win, not easily. It's never easy. But, man, is there opportunity. So let's look at last night's game. There was a huge line move in this game, meaning the the pros, the kind of guys that bet an amount that move the line – they bet enough to move the
6: line big time. Explain the move, Fez. Yeah, so the pros bet on Denver when they were an underdog, RJ. The pros took Denver plus two, Denver plus one, Denver pick them. And in fact, this line moved all the way to Denver minus two and a half at the closing number. Okay,
2: so Denver money throughout lopsided and Denver covered the spread. They did. All right. They were fortunate. Now, <laughs> we'll get into that. So right now, what was the main driver, not looking back at the game in hindsight, but entering the game at kickoff,
6: what was the main driver of that Denver money? Coaching history for Atlanta's head coach, Quinn, who over the past two years prior to this year, 0-8 straight up, 0-8 against the spread in preseason. Wow.
2: Now, you might say, oh, eight in a row, is that enough? One, when preseason feels like a choice from the coaching, meaning, you know, this is going back in time a little bit, Bill Parcells. He wanted to win in the preseason like nobody's business. I would make the case there's many a pro better that has a beach house that was betting in the 90s, and they should probably name it after Bill Parcells because you could bet on him. The market really wasn't catching on to it that he was winning, 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 and the line didn't move as much as it should have because he pretty much won 1-1 in the preseason against the spread throughout his entire career. Would you agree with that, Fez? Yes, I would. Now, the flip side, going back not as far, Tony Dungy, right? a guy who obviously won a lot with the Colts, but man, it was almost like he took pride in not winning in the preseason. So we have Quinn here with 0-8, Straight up, 0-8 against the spread. And for whatever reason, the odds makers didn't really consider that. The better certainly did a ton of Denver money now. And we're talking to Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. In the game itself, and we're going to split this into two categories. One is what we learned yesterday, last night, that can help us in the regular season. And then what did we learn about the preseason betting Two separate issues, but valuable. Let's start with the regular season. Now, these teams play five games, so the first one probably doesn't tell us a ton. Did we get anything we put in our pocket for week one?
6: Well, I think when we speak about Atlanta, we got to talk about how valuable that um, the starting quarterback, Matt Ryan, is to Atlanta because there appears to be nothing behind him, RJ.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: Sound the trumpets! It's horse racing time, so saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and
7: complete the playthrough requirements. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code C-N-D-R. That's C-A-N-D-R. Only on the DK Horse app.
0: Terms and conditions apply.
2: Now, we talked about it, Fez. You have nearly. Now, Jonas doesn't know you as well as me. He said, oh, it's an auto bet for Fez. (laughs) But here's what you got to know about Fez. Almost like Rowdy Roddy Piper. Every time you think you've got the answer, I change the question. So, Fez, I'm guessing this isn't going to be an auto bet for you this time, is it? It is
6: not an Oh, auto bet. amazing.
2: <laughs> amazing, Jonis, you're gonna learn one day. So first off, let's talk abstractly, let's keep it simple about what week one post Hall of Fame type auto bat almost you typically do, and let's explain how this year amazingly is the exception.
6: Yeah, so typically I bet both of the Hall of Fame participants in their very next game, and it makes a lot of sense. They have the advantage. They've got a game under their belts, and now oftentimes they're going to play their starters just a little bit more than the other team. The combination of those factors, those are teams I tend to look to bet on.
2: Okay, so in a way, you think about your preseason schedule as a team. Most teams, it's four games. For two teams, it's five. It's going to be okay our goal after week one is this, after week two is this, blah, blah, blah. And for all the teams, 30 of them, it's a four-week schedule. Five weeks for two teams, thus, in theory, they're going to be further along in week two in their plans, in their ambitions, in their playing time schedules than the other teams are in week one. That makes a ton of sense. Brad Powers, in college football, we get this, right? When we have early in the year teams playing week one or their first games versus teams playing their second games explain that how you approach that in college
3: yeah very well similar to what fez does uh you you look at college football and now this was something that used to happen more often in the past where teams could have a game or even some instances, there's instances where teams had a couple games under their belt before a team played their first game. I would always like to play on the team that already had the game under their belt experience, but very rarely do we see it now until the last couple years, RJ, where they've come up with these quote-unquote week zero games, and a lot of times it's negated because the team ends up having a bye week after that very first week, so it doesn't come up very often in college football.
2: Okay, but even not very often, like this year, have you looked ahead? How many, do we know how many teams are going to have that kind of zero game against one game edge? Or So there's
3: two, yeah, there's two games on week zero. Uh, and of all those four teams, all of them have a bye the next week. Oh, wow. No wow. It's almost like the schedule makers are conspiring against <laughs> the lazy
2: handicappers, right? That's going to do the same thing every week. So, Fez, what is it about this game? or th- these specific teams that have you not as keen to do it this year. And specifically, with it would be betting with Atlanta, because this is a team we talked about in week one that is 0-9 now on a streak, straight up and against the spread in the preseason.
6: Yeah, and this is a little bit complicated, RJ, so I need a little extra time. Oh, go man. ahead. <laughs> I want to bet on I'm Atlanta. I'm and here, here's why I want to bet on Atlanta. Everyone now knows that their coach, Quinn, is 0-9 straight up and against the spread. So I don't think the betters are going to want to bet on Atlanta. Further, anyone who bet on Atlanta last night lost. So I think the betters' recency bias, they just saw Atlanta lose again. They're not going to want, to want to bet on Atlanta. So I think Atlanta will be an undervalued commodity. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh, they're going to have that week under their belts. I can't wait to bet on Atlanta next week. Except who are they playing? RJ, they're playing the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins are the one team in the NFL with a bona fide quarterback controversy with Rosen and Fitzpatrick going at it with a rookie head coach and Flores. Flores, Miami's coach, just said, hey, Fitzpatrick is ahead in the quarterback competition, so I think Miami is the one team you don't want to play in the preseason. You're going to see a lot of time for both Rosen and Fitzpatrick.
2: Okay, so let's think about this a second when you think, and and let's keep it abstract and really break these elements down because you might say, RJ, why spend so much time on one game? It's the concepts that apply both to this game, but many other games in the preseason. So when I hear quarterback controversy, I want to bet on that team in the preseason. Yes. My rationale is one, you know, you got competent quarterbacks, right? In both cases. And, Number, Because otherwise, why would it be competitive, right? And maybe they're both below average in the NFL, but still that second quarterback is going to be much better than the typical backup. Do you agree with that? Quarterback controversy equals you want to play on them in the preseason. Not blindly, but it's a factor. Correct, yes. Okay, so we agree there. So explain to me where, and let's go to a team that's 0-9 in the preseason. I've got to be honest with you. As much as I want to be contrarian in in general, I want to say, oh, 0-9, it's going to turn itself around. Everyone's going to overreact. I'm not sure the preseason has enough attention, especially against the opening number. We saw it here. Atlanta might have been an okay bet late, even though they didn't cover, but they certainly weren't against the opening number. So how in general do you look at the 0-9 against the spread specifically for Atlanta next week?
6: Well, I think you nailed it. We have to look at what the odds makers do with that 0-9 number. How much are they going to devalue Atlanta? Is it going to be built into the number or not?
2: Okay, but the fact of the matter is history tells us the odds makers are going to be a little slow in the uptake and the batters are going to shape the lineup, right? yes all right so though we don't know for sure we're saying in general if the hmm let's see how i want to say this my my if you want to bet atlanta let's think about this if you want to bet atlanta i think you wait if you want to bet against atlanta
6: i think you're ready to fire right when that week one preseason line comes out would you agree with that Spot-on analysis, RJ, and right now I can tell you only one book in the world has a line on this game, and it's Miami minus one and a half, and I think you're right. I think this line just goes up, 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 despite the fact Atlanta's got their second game. There's too many factors that are contrasting to that that are going to make betters bet on Miami.
2: Okay, guys, so it goes to show you as we're wrapping kind of week one, or I guess week zero, Hall of Fame week, is it's all about, Quarterbacks, it's all about motivation. And in general, and I'm gonna let's get away from this week one game and talk generally in the preseason for a moment. When you can look at a team's history, and you can say, yeah, their history says not good in the preseason, good in the preseason, whatever it is. And there's not many that are going to be a team's history that's going to be a strong in this case, to the negative, is Atlanta's. In general, it's going to be 60%, 40%, some variation in between. And, Fez, just in general, who are the coaches? And it really is. It's not institutional. It's not about an organization. It's about a coach. Which coaches have the best history, active coaches in the preseason, and what coaches have um, the, the best and the worst active history?
6: Well, I can tell you it's not even close in terms of the best. And it's Harbaugh. RJ, Harbaugh has won 13 consecutive preseason games. He's 13-0. And, of course, Quinn is, is the worst now at 0-9.
2: Okay, so that in next week we'll be breaking down, like, top fives, good and bad. But, boy, those Harbaugh's. I mean, again, I'm not as, <laughs> a, a big fan of either as a Steelers fan, as an Ohio State grad, but – Just, oh, this game doesn't really matter, but our ego is so big that we're going to make sure that we win regardless. Now, that's how I'm looking at it. Others might say, hey, winning begets winning, and maybe that is a way to look at it. So I'm just kind of anti-hardball. I don't bet with that bias, but I can't hold it in too much. So (laughs) Jonas, when you come down on the preseason, are you one to say, hey, a win's a win and winning's good? Are you the type to say, hey, I'd rather get ready for the regular season. Winning and losing is not as important. As a fan, where do you come down?
4: As a fan, and I'm probably in the minority, I love it because you get to see players who are trying to achieve their dream, guys who are, it's their last-ditch effort to try and make a roster and and make something out of their career, and you get to see those guys on a big stage, and I think those stories are fun, and I enjoy watching it. I would, I would rather watch an NFL preseason game than a regular season Major League Baseball game.
2: But in a way, what you're saying is this is a players and, you know, there was a book fighting back. I have never mentioned this. Rocky Blyer, as a Steelers fan growing up, Vietnam vet, got injured. He was actually highly regarded before he had to go to Vietnam as a, you know, Notre Dame guy. Brad, you might know that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And he was someone that had high expectations in the NFL, was injured badly in Vietnam, and really was discounted. It was like, this guy cannot come back. And year after year after year, it was multiple years, if I recall, he was cut, taxi squad, as they called it in those days, and finally, this is a guy that has multiple Super Bowl rings, was Franco Harris's backup, and it really was the preseason and, and, and his persistence that allowed him to eventually make the team and win those Super Bowl rings and make that catch in Super Bowl nine, if I remember, uh, 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 the only touchdown of the game, if I'm recalling. And I am going by memory there. So, Jonas, I think you're making an interesting point, but... It does go against the team trying to win. So in a way, what Jonas is saying, and tell me if you agree or not, not, is Harbaugh is selfish. That because he so wants to win for his ego, how do you win in the preseason? It's by playing your starters more in general. Right, it's by game planning more, not letting those Rocky Blyers have their chance to shine.
4: Yeah, they seem like they take it a little more serious than everybody else, which no hurts the Rocky Blyers of the, the yes. Vietnam
2: vets of the world
4: in a way. <laughs> so you think so? They're keeping the man down, is what you're saying? They're keeping the the, the man. Well, at no, the
2: no, yes, okay, they're keeping Harbaugh off. Yes, okay, very good. keeping the long shot Rocky <laughs> Blyers down. I yeah, agree. I agree.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
7: up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's good at any Graduate Hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Go book your stay at graduatehotels.com.
2: Daryl, our producer, has been with us a few months now, done an amazing job, but he has a reputation that's starting to grow. He's a player, (laughs) the players. Now, he did disagree once with Zeke, In general, it's player, player, player. So let's get his take. What is your take, Daryl, of how Carmelo, what was he trying to communicate?
3: How did he come off? I still look at this as the player, so check one for the player. I think Carmelo took the time just to tell his own truth. Um, so For so long, especially last year, Carmelo Anthony did not speak. So this is the first time he's even spoken on the Rocket situation, spoken on the situation in OKC, and spoken on the situation where his trainer just came on a radio show last week and was saying that Carmelo Anthony wanted to go on this Dwayne Wade tour and exchange jerseys. That's not even Carmelo's narrative. So I was happy that he sat down with a reputable basketball person and actually gave his truth.
2: Okay, so I agree. Stephen A certainly, and again, I can speak just doing a little bit of, you know, compared to the hours he's on air. It's, you know, it's hard never to misspeak, but to whatever degree Stephen A knows the NFL or whatever, he knows the NBA best. Um, To me, Carmelo is a great example of what Colin Cowherd has, I think, the first guy to really say it at a national level. It is kind of sad for the players and I know they make millions and I know they have a charmed life in many ways but it's sad that if they grow up if they mature at 30 let's say, almost anyone else in the country, any other guy especially, meaning guys kind of get the benefit of the doubt sometimes, They're 28 boys will be boys and if you're mature at 30 and you're a guy most people are going to say, yep, right on schedule but if you're a player, by the time you're 30, your skills have usually started to drop off in a way that you don't get to really benefit from your newfound maturity because no one wants to deal with you because you were immature before. And I think it's possible Carmelo's trending in the right direction. I also think that, in my opinion now, if you're going on to kind of clean up a mess, and I think that his reputation is a mess – He felt a little combative even in that situation. So to me, most people don't change all that much. And if I were a big NBA fan of a specific team, I would not want to sign Carmelo. By the way, Vegas perspective, he's worth zero points. He does not move the needle. So why be troubled by him would be my question. Again, others might think differently.